0: Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to Holistic Living, a guide of resources and knowledge to expand and live in your truth. I'm Tara Davis, and I am so excited to welcome you to the first episode of my brand new Blog Talk Radio show. During these conversations that will come, we are going to explore what it means to to live authentically and from your truth. We'll cover women's health and wellness, how food affects more than just our physical well-being, the connection between science and spirituality, alternative healing, the cycle of our thoughts and beliefs, and way more. I'll be chatting about my personal journey and interviewing experts about their journeys and finding out how they're here to help us uncover the truth of who we are. So let's get started. If you want to call in today, our guest call-in number is 646-564-9503. You can call in anytime during the show and ask questions, share, have comments, whatever you would like to do. So today's topic is for women only it's about Perry and menopause and premenopause. I am currently reading the Wisdom of Menopause by christian Dr. Christiane Northrup and the book is amazing I love I've been following dr. Um, Northup for years and I love how she has taken her conventional certifications as a as a medical physician as an OBGYN and taken them to the holistic and spiritual side. She has a brilliant combination of spirituality and holistic healing. And I just love her books. I love following her on social media. I love all of her insights. And so for me, I am 48. And so I've been peri and premenopausal since I was, gosh, in my latter 30s. So for me, it started about 36, 37. And I started having Night sweats, like crazy night sweats. So it started early for me. I know some women don't even start until their 40s. Some women have a lot of issues. Some women have no issues. And so today, what I want to talk about, what I want to touch on, is the wisdom of menopause, which is her book, The Wisdom of Menopause. When I first saw this, Topic when I, or when I first saw the headline of her book, I thought, hmm, this is going to be good because I know that there's wisdom to be had in menopause, just as there's wisdom to be had every month during our period. I mean, really, during our period, it's not just cramps and bloating, and we, that's when we become weepy or angry. I encourage all of my clients and myself to find that nugget of wisdom that is available to us during that time of the month, because that's when we really find that we want to speak our truth. All of our shit hits the fan during our period, because that's when the veil is so thin for us that We know what we want to say. Sometimes it's not as eloquently said as it could be, but we know what needs to happen and we know what needs to come out. And so honoring that piece of us is the best that we can do for ourselves rather than stuffing it back down and not acknowledging that we are in a very creative time of the month. So let's talk about, the wisdom of this piece. So the wisdom of peri and pre and menopause has so many different factors. And I I want to talk a little bit about what she talks about in her book. And then I want to talk a little bit about a few examples that I experience in my own life. So, and I'm just starting the book. I'm not kidding. I'm only, um, let's see, maybe Hundred pages. Oh, I'm on page eighty-one. So I am just barely touching the surface of a six hundred plus page book. So we'll probably visit this topic again several more times. And I would love to hear your feedback on what we're talking about. Also, as we go through these podcasts and through these live shows, I would love to have your suggestions on what you want to talk about. I mean, there's nothing too sacred that we can't touch upon. There's nothing too taboo that we can't dive into. So I would love to hear what makes your juices flow. How do you feel or how do you know what your truth is? That what this that is the premise the basis of what we're going to dive into is how we all find our truth. And we find our truth in so many areas. It's just not in one area. You just don't figure out who you are with one piece. It is an incredible unfolding of ourselves looking back through our lives, looking at our present, and looking towards what we want to be doing with our goals is how we unfold into who we really are. And so let's just take a few minutes to talk about that before we really dive into menopause and peri and premenopause. So finding ourselves is so such an incredible journey for me. It started you know, with motherhood, I've been a mom since I was 21. So for me, it's been 27 plus years of being in this role, which is so interesting, because it is really tapping into the wisdom of menopause. We'll get to that here in just a second. So trying to find out who I was, other than being a mom has been An incredible journey for me. Sometimes it's been super frustrating because I thought, I have a purpose here. Other than just being a mom, I know I'm here for a bigger purpose. What is that purpose? And so often, I would find myself not fully immersed in the mom role, wishing there was something else. Not that I never loved my children because I always did. I love, 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 love my children. I really liked being a mom, loved being a mom. I still am a mom. And I cherish that role because it is one of the biggest roles that I will ever have as a mom. You know that job as a mother is molding a human being. I mean, it makes me so emotional because I just know, actually, it's probably the most important job that I will ever have is being a mom. I mean, let's face it, we're guiding other human beings to how they will show up in the world, right? And so it is an incredibly important job. However, on the flip side of that, I was always trying to find my purpose, and I didn't know how to find that purpose. I wasn't quite sure where to go for that purpose. Now, I know It happens through stages, through phases, through from conversations with other people. It happens by going to school and finding your passion. It happens by going to other people and having different conversations about what they like. Well, which might then spark interest for you. It happens through therapy. It happens on the table at a massage or an acupuncture. It happens through healthy eating. So all of these pieces contribute to finding out who we are and what we are here to do. So back to finding out who we are through menopause and perimenopause and premenopause. So one of the chapters in her book at the very beginning is why, or it's a subchapter, why marriages must change at midlife. And so as I read this, I was really pulling together several clients that I have right now. And it's so awesome because my clients are always mirroring for me some aspect That is up for me in my own life. And so, you know, the old saying, we teach what we need to learn. I'm always teaching what I can learn from, what it is in my life that I need to learn. Even if it seems like it's not even related, there's some nugget that belongs to me that I can relate to, that I can bring into my own life, into my own marriage, to use as a a learning tool for myself. And so the marriages must change at midlife is so interesting. And so I want to just read you a little snippet from this piece of her book. When we look at the typical dynamics of intimate family relationships in this culture, it's reasonably safe to say that the vast majority of the nurturing, supportive, subordinate roles fall to the women as does most of the self-sacrifice. It's been somewhat more common for women to achieve high-ranking positions in corporate, political, and scientific arenas. Women now make up 49.9% of the workforce for the first time in history, and more than 39% of women are the family's primary breadwinners. Even so, whenever career concessions must be made for the sake of the family, it's likely to be the woman who steps down or cuts back. 85% of women bear the primary responsibility for taking care of their families, including laundry, school, transpo, and meals. That's why we have the term, the mommy track. And so... I love that piece because I connected to it immediately when I read it. You know, throughout my married life and throughout my mama life, I have been that piece. I am a very nurturing mother, sometimes way more nurturing than I should be. Um, And I have been the piece of, Um, the primary primary responsibility for taking care of the family, all the family needs, the household needs, taking care of all the children's needs. School, all school matters and doctor matters, all the transportation, all the meals, all the laundry. So I have done all that. I have absolutely 100% taken care of that role, which has been great. I, I really have embraced and loved having that role for the last 27 years of my life. And so her quote that why the marriages must change at midlife really resonated with me because now over the last several years I've seen my, myself wanting to shift I've seen myself wanting to shift from that role of the mother and the only one who is responsible for, you know, the emotional health and well-being of the family. I've noticed myself wanting to shift into more of the masculine role of wanting to be the provider and the one who really goes to work. And I want to let go of being the emotional supportive pillar of the family and the one who makes all the grocery lists and goes to the store and the one who knows exactly what, you know, my son number three likes, how he likes his meals done or how he likes his sandwiches made or how, you know, just how things run in the family. I am really ready to give up that role. And in saying so, I want to go back just a little bit in where she touches on the normalcy. And I say she, as in Dr. Northrup in her book, the normalcy with which this, it's not even a phenomenon with which this event occurs. Women start to see themselves at midlife, you know, from 40 to 50 ready to shift into a different role. And it doesn't matter if we're married or if we're single or if we are lesbian or if we're in relationship or not, this will be happening at some point that there will be a second career. There will be a second part of our life. And so we can embrace that peace or we can dread that peace. And so my choice is just to embrace it. My choice is to definitely bring that peace in because it's not not going to happen. It's going to unfold and happen. It's our choice to decide how we welcome this piece of our life, this incredible, fertile part of our life. It is up to us how we invite it in and how we embrace it and how we look at it. So I have noticed, you know, for me, I mention, I have been mentioning to my husband over the last several years that I'm really ready to make this change. But here's what is so funny for me. And so last year, when I really fully started on my blog, fully started my website, thought I was going to fully start writing a book, at the time... We had just come back in the country. We had been traveling and living in Central and South America for a while. And so we came back into the country. My husband at the time, my husband wasn't working at the time. And I had two of my three sons at home. And I said, so I really need your help now. I really need your help, you know, with laundry and with meal planning and with groceries. And to my husband, I said, you know, I need you to step up and do some more picking up of kids for their activities. And so interestingly enough, here's what happened. My husband was happy to, and my children were completely happy to step up and do these pieces. But here's what I noticed after several days is they were still helping me. The difference was they weren't taking full responsibility to do it. I still had to say, so you'll need to plan for this or so-and-so needs to be picked up at this time, or, hey, we need laundry done. So it was that they were full-on ready to help, but they hadn't taken the responsibility to actually do it themselves. They were still waiting for the prompting of me. And so internally, I actually struggled with this for a while, because it wasn't, well, on, on several levels. For me, first of all, I had to tell them, look, I want you to do it, not just wait for me and to be my helper or to help me do it. I want you to take responsibility. I don't want to do this anymore. So for me, even formulating that in my mind was a struggle because I was releasing. So that's the second part. I was releasing and letting go of that piece that I had been doing for that point 25 years. So it's like letting go of part of your job, of part of your identity, of part of who you are, letting go of and letting someone else take over. So I had so much struggle in my mind of, well, I really want you to do this, but I'm not sure I'm ready to let go of it yet. So there was some back and forth during that time, but I did have to step up and say, I'm so appreciative for all your help. I love that you guys are stepping up and, doing what I've asked you to do, and so I don't, I no longer want you to help me. Now I want you to do it. There's a big difference between just helping me and doing the job. The first one means you're waiting for me to give you the prompts. You're not fully responsible. You haven't taken on that piece as this is my job. I don't need for anybody else to ask me to do it, versus, oh, this is my job. I know when I need to do this. No one needs to tell me when I do this. So I know you can feel in between those two and identify the difference being, the difference between just helping me and actually just taking the entire responsibility. And so it was an interesting shift for me to vocalize all of that. And it was an interesting shift for my family to hear me, say this, to see me in that different position and to take responsibility what I had asked of them. So I did, after I did say what I had just said, I don't need you to do this anymore. I need you to take responsibility. There was a shift. There was a shift in dynamic. I could feel, first of all, I could feel kind of a resistance to me. I could feel the resistance from them for what I was asking of them. I could feel the resistance in my husband because I'm sure in his mind he thought, you know, look, this is not my job. This is not what I'm here to do. This is not what I've done in the past. I'm sure there were a million things going through his mind. I'm sure my children were also thinking a lot of thoughts of what what is this mom? What is this going on with my mom? She tried to be somebody that she's not. So it was interesting dynamics for a few days because I also had to let go of the control. I had to let go of how I thought things should be done. Even though there are ways that I have perfected over 20 plus years of doing this job, as does anyone, there are ways that I have perfected that I knew how things run smoothly but it's like anyone else coming into a new job. They get to make it their own and figure out how it works best for them and how they can put their stamp on it, how they can make it fluid for them and fluid for the rest of the family. And so it was a, it was was an interesting transition. It wasn't without some bumps and hiccups to say the least. And so it worked well. Then my middle son went off to the mountains to work for the entire winter. So he was gone. My husband went back to work. And so it was back to me again to figure out how to balance all of this <clears throat> with wanting to work and desiring to work. And so I can look back now and see the patterns that I, I was okay coming back. Well, let me say this. When you're creating stuff at the very beginning and you're not making money, someone does have to make the money. And so my husband did go back to work to bring home a paycheck. I mean, let's face it, we need that paycheck, right? So I was okay in taking back some of the responsibility, although in saying that, my husband did hold on still to some. I mean, he's happy to do the laundry. He's happy to do the dishes. He's happy to grocery shop when I need it. So it's not as if everything went back to how it was some of the things still had been dispersed amongst us. And so now here's what I am finding as well. So here's what happened today. This is a great example of almost a tug of war in my own mind of really just wanting to release and let go and wanting to be able to work on my path full time versus still stuck in the past of being a mom and being in charge, and so currently on my plate, I am fully immersed in writing my book, and so I have a deadline every two weeks of, that I meet with my writing coach, and so I'm not, at, I'm not at the place where I usually am at this point when I, I meet with her next week, and so I'm feeling that crunch, and I need to work more right now to get into that place. And so I need to have more space to work. So here's what happened this morning. So, Well, first of all, and I'm also trying to balance that workplace with my son's out of school this week. He's in a private school and they have one week off every month because they go year round. So he's off one week during the month, which, you know, kind of throws a wrench in the plan when you're trying to work full time and still be the mom and still run the rest of the household stuff. So oftentimes I find myself kind of resenting that week off, but I try to just acknowledge that and get past it and get to the next piece. So next week, my son, my youngest, is, he's 16. He's leaving to fly out to see his brother, see one of his brothers. And so he has some uh, reading challenges. And so as much experience as he has in airports, international and domestic, international, and we have flown many, many, many places, many countries. So he has tons of experience flying. And even while we were traveling, we would allow the two to take us to the next gate, to the next concourse. We would help them translate. And so My son has to be at the airport, we have to leave here at like 8.30 next week, uh, next Tuesday to properly get him to the airport. One of us is going to, whomever takes him, we'll just get a gate pass and make sure that he gets on the right train to get to the right concourse to get to the right gate because of his learning challenges. I mean, he he's really, by and large, a good reader, but every once in a while, dyslexia comes in, processing comes in, and he reads the words completely wrong. And so we would just prefer one of us goes with him all the way to the gate to make sure that he gets there, knowing that I'm kind of on a time crunch, um, and Also knowing that my son isn't going to be gone. This will be the first time in a long time that my husband and I will have a week. And my husband is actually in between jobs right now as well. We will have all of next week available to us free. And so I'm also trying to be super mindful this week of getting as much work as I can so that next week I'm available. We've planned one day we want to go hiking the entire day. Uh, We want to, you know, go out to breakfast or go out to dinner. And so being mindful that we want to do all these things, I was already becoming tense because I had volunteered a month ago when we planned this. I would totally take them to the airport, you know, get the gate pass and do all that. So I probably wouldn't be back here till around 11. I have a client at 11.15. I have a client at 2.00 and I still have book writing to do. So I was already feeling that tension. So my husband volunteers to take Ben to the airport that morning. And normally, that time of the morning, I actually exercise anyway. And so I said, well, you know, all I would be missing out on is yoga. Tuesday mornings, I go to yoga. And so it's not that I would be missing out. So I was immediately already in the mindset of, first of all, I was discounting my own self-care which is what I teach myself and my clients to not discount yourself. So I was already, well, you know, it's not a big deal. I'll just be missing out on yoga. I can still take him. And he was, my husband still said, well, you know, I'm happy to take him to the airport. You can do what you need to do. And I thought, in my mind, I was already thinking, but I'm the one who knows what to do. I know how to get him to the airport. You might get a little tense or a little testy, or you might not do it as well as I do. So all of these things were already going through my mind. I wasn't allowing just that piece of release to easily flow. And we sort of got into a little mini argument about taking Ben to the airport which could have just easily happened. It could, he could have offered, could have said, oh, gosh, that would be great. I'll go to yoga. I'll come home. I'll get some work done. I'll have my couple of clients, and then we'll have the afternoon to do whatever. Instead, still that mama job, that mama piece in me that thinks that I can be only me. I can be the one that takes Ben to the airport. So for as much as I want and desire To be in that space of fully immersed in my work, I clearly am having a hard time releasing the other pieces of me. Not that I, I don't expect to just turn off that piece. Like it it will never turn off. I will always be a mom. I have a mom who I love having her around me. And so I I will always be a mom. So I will never turn that piece off, but what I am struggling with is fully having faith in someone else to take over the role that I've been in for 27 years. It's my own struggle and it's my own challenge that I'm dealing with. It really isn't anyone else's that I'm dealing with. And so I've kind of gotten off on a little bit of a tangent. (laughs) Let's get back to why these, why the marriages must change. And so my husband and I talked about this last night, actually, because he, you know, had been watching me read this book and he said, so what is the wisdom of menopause? What's the book about? And so I was telling him about the shifts that have to happen during this change if the relationships that we are in, partner-wise, will be able to sustain themselves. And if they can't shift and morph into this next phase of a woman's life, by and large, they aren't going to be able to sustain themselves. They will probably fall apart. And I know that there are people who are going through these shifts, and changes. I have a couple of friends who are completely going through this shift of, look, this is the second half of my life, and the first half is almost over. I've, I've done everything that I wanted to do, and now I feel like I just want to shift and change. But my husband is freaking out because he's not sure why I'm doing all of this, or why I'm becoming this different person, or why I want these different things in my life. And so the relationship of these friends that I'm watching are getting kind of rocky. And so I wanted to share with you today the purposes of menopause and that when we hit these stages of our life from like 40 to 50, some of us even earlier, some of us later, but by and large between 40 and 50, that this is so normal. That this place in our life that we arrive at, this desire to completely shift into something else, to morph into another person, to search out new components of our lives, it's normal. (laughs) And it's how we embrace it and bring it in that will allow us to continue on this path. And so it's having an open communication an open dialogue as well with our partner, with our spouse, to keep them in the know, in the knowledge for what's coming up. So I wanted to look also at the next couple of chapters or the next couple of uh, sub-chapters that are coming up in this chapter. Not me. My marriage is fine, which was an awesome piece because Dr. Northrop talks about how she was observing all of these changes in her life when, in fact, her and, and thought her marriage was rock solid. When in fact, there were cracks in the foundation that she wasn't acknowledging. I can completely identify with that. If we see the cracks and we're not willing to acknowledge them, not willing to see them, they're going to crack even more (laughs) rather than if we just name it, if we just talk about it, if we just bring it up, that's when we shine the light and we can see what the problems are. If those cracks are left in the dark, they will crumble and fall apart by themselves, and then we don't ever talk about them. the next uh, pa- the next pieces in her book that I wanted to touch on as well oops hold on I got this part are our emotions and our hormones and our health during this time of life oh first of all let me ta- let me just pass on or, or touch on that one in just a second I wanted to read you actually as I was reading this second piece on healing our pain during menopause so if there have been pieces of our lives that we have denied through the first part of our life if there were pieces that we our soul really wanted to explore that we didn't and we just pushed aside they're going to come up during this part of our life She writes, even though I could see in retrospect that I had started the process of letting go of my marriage several years before, I was still not prepared for the deep sense of loss when it finally ended. So not that I'm saying that everyone is gonna be, you know, divorcing through this time period because I certainly have no intention of it. And we can absolutely, with conversation and with open communication, pass through this period of our life and come out the other side with so much joy and knowledge and wisdom and insight that we can offer to other women as well. So when we find ourselves hearing stories of the crazy menopause that happens or the crazy hormones or the crazy up-and-down emotional scales that women go through during this part of their lives, According to Dr. Northrup, it's because we have suppressed ourselves. We have suppressed our truth and our purpose in the first part of our lives. I can see so much in my own mom. I can see that she had suppressed pieces and parts of her life because that's how she was raised. That's how her mom did it. That is exactly what her role model was, was just to suppress the importance of herself to be a martyr for her family. And so she had a hard time during menopause. She had a really big challenge during menopause. I mean, we thought she was, you know, a wackadoodle for several years. What was really coming about were all of these pieces and parts of her that were suppressed for so many years, they were ready to come out. They had to come out. However they come out, is different for each person. And so the best piece for me is that I can already acknowledge that pattern in my family, in the family of women, in the lineage. I can acknowledge that pattern and choose to follow it or choose to break it and go a different direction. And so I'm totally choosing to go a different direction. And to keep the lines of communication open, to keep that flow open with my partner, with my husband. And so I had suppressed pieces throughout my marriage, pieces and throughout my mama role. I had suppressed them. However, in the last several years, throughout my growth and throughout my own personal journey of therapy and throughout my husband and I's personal journey together through therapy. So much has come out. So lucky for me, lucky for him, I don't have as much suppressed and as much way deep in the closet that has never seen the light of day as other women might have, as my mom did, as my grandmothers did before me. So by breaking this cycle we can pass on the example to other women as well of how to be in this fantastic piece of our life. We can show others what this part of our life is all about. So one of the other pieces in her book, in the, um, chapters in her book. Hold on. I just left, or I mean, I just lost the piece that I wanted to read to you. Okay. This is a great piece. It's titled, Never Bringing the Pot to a Boil. So this is a great example. Gladys was a poster child for menopausal irritability. In my office, she complained often about her husband, her children, and her job. She had chronic sinusitis, a condition often linked to the emotional irritability and anger simmering beneath the surface. Whenever I asked Gladys when she was going to take care, to take steps to actually change the aspects of her life that so consistently irritated her, she always recovered herself immediately, gave me a big smile and said, Oh, but my dear, my husband is a really wonderful man, and my children are really very loving. I really can't complain about any parts of my life. Gladys went to her internist and was put on Prozac, but she never felt as though it or anything else really ever improved her. Over the years, I cared for her. Gladys' health never improved. So I wanted to read this from the perspective of great example of suppression. Of how we are not taking care of ourselves, finding that truth of ourselves. I mean, for God's sake, she was put on Prozac. So perfect example of not listening to our inner voice and just complaining without actually taking action and doing it. Now, I certainly will never minimize the effort it takes to take action and make changes, because when I started making the, my own changes in my life, it took so much action and courage because I had never been in this position before. Some women are born with just speaking their mind and speaking their peace. I was not. <laughs> so I will never minimize and always be a proponent and a cheerleader for taking any sort of action, however small or large it is, because one step leads to the next step, no matter how small those steps are. I also wanted to talk just briefly about health, emotions, hormones, and health during this time. Natural foods, supplements, herbs, medications, acupuncture, all of those things are tools for building and protecting our health during this time of our life, during any period of your life, but especially during this particular time of our life. So regardless of what supplements that we take and what kind of exercise we do, your attitude, your beliefs, and our daily thoughts, I'm 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 paraphrasing from her book. Have the most profound effect on our health. How many times have you heard people say, I just don't understand? She always ate right and at exercised. How come she, of all people, got sick? On the other end of the spectrum is the person who smokes and drinks too much, yet lives without any apparent illness well into a healthy old age. The answer lies at least in part in the individual's attitudes and emotions. We have within us the power to create a life of joy, of abundance, of love, of health. We also have the same ability to to create a life filled with stress and fatigue and disease and loneliness and sadness. The choice is ours on how we live in our life. We can look at it with the glass half full. We can look at it with the glass half empty. It's through our thoughts, our belief systems, what comes out of our mouth that really forms the basis of every moment of our lives. We all know those people that are just the Debbie Downers who are continually negative and bringing that negative piece in and then wondering why their lives are a chaotic mess. We also know the people who are super happy, who are also always positive, who continually choose to see the bright side of everything, and their lives seem to just be working almost magically. It's through that thought process and those thought forms and our belief systems, which That will be a whole nother show of our beliefs and how those beliefs are formed and how they affect us on a daily basis. It's through all of this that we can also get through and into this part, this premenopausal and menopausal stage. I don't even like that word. Just this place that we're in of our lives. We can either love it or we can hate it. We can either see it with positivity or we can see it through negativity. And so in reading the wisdom of menopause, I'm actually really excited to embark on this next piece because I really feel it. I felt it for a couple of years coming towards me. I felt it kind of sitting in me and now I feel it ready to expand and go out of me.